Hi, everyone. Welcome to Group Text. My guest today is an actress and a convicted scene stealer. Rose Abdu, you have been making your mark on TV and films for 30 years, most recently as Josephina on Hacks. You've been in Gilmore Girls, That's So Raven, Saved by the Bell. Welcome, Rose. Thank you. It's so nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you. So, Hacks has, I mean, this is incredible, 32 Emmy nominations for season one and two. Are you still pinching yourself that you get to work on this amazing ensemble? I am just pinching myself, but also congratulating myself because I saw the script right before the pandemic started. I auditioned March 4th and my managers, I have to say my agents and my managers were like, I don't know, this role is it's another, I get a lot of Latina maids, you know, to audition for. And I said, this is different. This is so different. I love the script so much. I just know this script is special. Plus it was a chance to work. It was called the Untitled Gene Smart Project. And I was just convinced it was going to be as special as it turned out to be. So I was like, I really can't pick them. I mean, I really, really knew that it was special and it's, it has exceeded everyone's expectations, I think, but. Well, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And, and and what a group. I agree. So did they send you the script or did you have to audition? They sent the pilot script with an audition for the character's name was Yanira, the housekeeper. And I read it and thought, I just, it wasn't very big. And I said, I I really want to be in this. And then they pinned me in May. And then we started shooting that November. Which is great. So it took a while. And it's become Josefina. Yes. And I switched the name. My mother is from Dominican Republic. And her name is Maria de Los Angeles Ponzitio. And she had a friend in Michigan named Josefina, Josefina Sosa. And she, um, they were not, they were kind of competitive. I just thought they gave me the opportunity. They said, Paul and Lucia and Jen said to me, is there something, another name that you would like even better? And I said, I can picture Jean yelling, Josefina, instead of Yanira. So they let me change the name. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And you are not just the housekeeper. You are the head of the household. That's right. And basically a major domo. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's some, a phrase that I knew because I had read a book about Marlo Thomas and I knew that she had a major domo and I loved, you know, family affair and Mr. French sort of ran the home. So in the audition on zoom, I said to them, I see Josefina as sort of a Latina Carson from Downton Abbey. Yes. He manages the entire estate. And they totally were like, yes, that's exactly what we had in mind. So So that was your point of reference. Yes, exactly. Are you bossy in real life? I, my husband would definitely say. (laughs) (laughs) And you say, I'm not bossy. It just, you don't do things right. I mean, listen, I don't talk fast. You listen slow. (laughs) If it's not my way, it's no way. I mean, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm a little bit bossy. Oh my God. You talk fast. I talk fast and you listen slow. It's like, I don't talk fast. You just listen slow. I'm going to use that on my son. Please. That is, can I just can I just fangirl out a little bit? Sure. I mean, your son, your son is the cutest. I know things about your family because I was an ardent watcher of the show you had with your mother. The the I call I call it Joan Knows Best. I yes. don't even remember the real name. That it was but called never, Joan Knows Best. 
in four seasons, I was a devoted, devoted fashion police fan. I mean, to the point where the show was so important to me and my family. My mother had open heart surgery at the age of 86. And we were like, it was very touch and go. We didn't know if she was going to come out of it. She's in the hospital. And she turned to the nurse and said, it's Friday. Oh, you have to put on the fashion police on the television. I love and that. And that's when we knew she was going to be okay. So I was very, you know, I just want to extend my sympathy to you. Thank I've you. just met you, but I, but I was so touched immediately upon the news of your mother. I, I went to eBay and I bought this piece <gasps> from her Joan Rivers jewelry collection and I treasure it. It's oh, my Joan Rivers. Well, by the way, we still have the company, so I'm going to send you stuff. I would love, and then I have this. I got an estate sale. That's my Joan Rivers. I have this. I have, and then I want to tell you back to Hacks, David Miner, one of the producers from Hacks, we had a premiere party at Harriet's Rooftop for season one. You know, we had to keep it small because of COVID. Right. And he got each cast member a Joan Rivers watch. That's amazing. How fabulous. And they were all different colors. So it became like a, a bidding war. I was trading with, you know, Carl who plays Marcus and Poppy who plays Kiki. I was like, no, no, because I had a red with silver, but I really wanted the gold with the purple. And so that was, I just had to tell you that. I am, it's a big part of I am so touched. So just, touched. Well, you want to feel crazy. Cooper's 21. Oh my gosh. And he's just the cutest boy but i mean i haven't seen pictures of him since he's eight nine years old or whatever however old yeah he he's an actual oh. adult unbelievable and you look exactly the same so how no i don't up? but thank you it's just a nice All filter right. i've got vaseline <laughs> smeared on the lens the old lucille ball trick yes exactly i just want to ask a couple questions about yosavina she doesn't let anything slide and is tough do you run your house like that are you the you know yes. hboc yes I really am because there are things like we got a little puppy in, in May. He's adorable, but he, you know, I don't like the look. I don't want to see a plastic crate near my cute furniture. So my husband had a towel in there for him. Now he moved the crate. The towel is rolled up on a tray. I can't, I said, I can't look at the towel on the floor. The towel's on the floor. The towel's on, you know, like I have that everything has to be in place. And I don't know, someone told me that's a very Sagittarian quality, but I love to fold things. I love fold the look of folded sweaters. I love coordinated shoes. You know, I saw your architectural digest piece. I love the way your shoes are lined up. I know everything about, I'm to the point of being like a little bit of a stalker because I've looked in the inside of your home through magazines, but I love things things in place. I, I, love a, I should oh, only, I should, I am, should only have, I am honored that you're my stalker in there. I'm in there, Melissa. I am honored. I really kitchen that's organized. When I, oh, I just redid my kitchen during the pandemic. I did a dark emerald green cupboard. And when I pull out the drawers, the dish towels are folded perfectly. So I feel like, yes, I know exactly when Josefina is open. I, I really wish you could have seen that what it looked like closer because, you know, we shoot a lot of things that you guys never get to see. Right. Deborah Vance's refrigerator is so organized. And I opened the door and the props lady came over and I said, this is exactly how I would do it. Exactly how I would do it. And she has all the cheeses and the little jams and the, everything is perfect in her house. You see Josefina just checking, checking off a list of what Deborah might need from the grocery store. But it was so satisfying to look at it up close and say, yes, yes, this is how I would do it. <laughs> and by the way, and my mother's refrigerator was always a total shit show and, and filled with leftovers. And you said about being a Sagittarius. Apparently, my son, who's a Sag, does not have that compulsion to fold oh, things. Okay. Just just saying that. Okay. <laughs> um, 
take me back to the beginning. You got your undergrad degree in communications, and then you were getting your MFA in acting. And one of your professors said you should do improv. Yes. Frank Rutledge. He said to me, think about who you admire and just go do what they did. That's as simple. And I just thought, what? That's such vague advice. Like he was a very abrupt man. Just go do what they did. So I started to think about it. And I thought, well, I love Gilda Radner. I love Lily Tomlin. I love, you know, I'm from Michigan and they were from Michigan. So I thought, oh, they were funny ladies in comedy. And then I started watching. I remember Saturday Night Live wasn't even carried in Detroit. I, I used to watch it in New York when I would visit my cousins. And I was thinking, well, I like Second City. It seemed to be that the people I admired came from this place called Second City. So I didn't know how to drive, even though I'm from the Motor City. And I decided to move to Chicago. I had a friend who became a bartender at Second City. He said, Rose, there's not a lot of women doing it. There's not a lot of women. You should go. And I was like, all right. So I started taking classes there. Well, they, at the end of every level of classes, you can audition for the company. There were 350 people auditioning and I didn't realize they were only choosing two women. And that round of auditions, Amy Sedaris and Rosa Abdu got chosen to be in the company. So I was very good company, very talented people. I worked, my first company was Chris Farley, Steve Colbert. I worked with Steve Carell. I mean, I was there when there were a real huge, Tina Fey was a little bit after me, but we really were there when there were so many people that went on to do, you know, movies, Mike Myers. I used to watch him on stage all the time. And it was the late eighties, early nineties. And I decided to study um, at Second City Chicago was the best thing I ever did. Well, and people don't understand how, what, a coup it is to be good enough. Like you just rattled off all these names to get, my mom came out of second city. That's right. And what you said in the lobby all the time. Yeah. But you just said something very interesting. Every cycle of cast that comes out of there, you go, Holy shit. All of those people. I mean, it had to, it, did you realize at the time what a big deal that was? I think I did because I loved Alan Arkin and I loved your mother. I loved Ed Asner. I loved, you know, Alan Alda, you know, the people that you would see on the list that came before I was like, wow, this is, but, but while we were doing it, you know, we were just a bunch of kids at the theater. It was, it didn't feel that special, but it really was. I mean, people would call it, you know, it's the Harvard of comedy and it is. I'm so glad I did it back in the day before it got a little, it got a little corporate, you know, and it really was like a mom and pop theater back when, when I was doing it. And I was in the company called the ETC, which was more experimental than the main stage. The main stage catered towards the, you know, all the tourists that come through Chicago. And we had a blast. I mean, the people I worked with I still to this day are, you know, we get together and just, it's the fun, it's the most fun you can have it being with other improvisers. Well, some people would disagree, but I think it's the most fun you can have. Oh yeah. Cause you just, it becomes topping each other. Yes. Um, what was your first real acting job? What got you your SAG card? Oh, oh my gosh. I love this story. A commercial, a commercial for Oprah Winfrey's show got me my SAG card. Do and tell. all I had, oh my gosh, Melissa. You remember when city shorts were in like the worst, the wor- like a linen, it was a suit, but then instead of pants or a skirt, shorts. Oh God, shorts. yes, yes. So hideous. And they put me in a pair of purple linen city shorts. So I was devastated that the wardrobe was so horrible. And an orange silk top, I remember. I can't remember the, I think it was 1990. And all I had to do was walk out, put a sign out of my store in the Brickyard Mall where they were shooting it. Oprah's on, closed, Oprah's on. The sign said closed, Oprah's on and do it over. And I had no idea how many times you had to do things over and over. And I I did it. 
I, you know, on stage, I'm like, oh, I did it. What does he need to do it again for? So many times. And the director kept going, you don't look excited enough. Think about someone, a guest that would be on the Oprah show that you would be really excited to see. And so I couldn't think of anything. And at the time, I kind of had a crush on Michael Keaton. So I said, I, I don't know, Michael Keaton, that director, 37 takes yelled, come on and action, Rose, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton to this day, I don't even want to hear the name Michael Keaton anymore. It was the, and then I see the finished commercial. It's just my boobs, just my boobs. <laughs> piece of my chin and all of my boobs. And I had three guy friends from second city. who went, I think I saw your boobs on TV. And I was like, I'm so, Excuse me. I'm so flattered that you recognize me, but that's how I got my SAG card. What the funniest is you should have been thinking of someone that would be, ex- you'd be excited to see. You should have said me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I was on the Oprah. Thank you. That's You're better. welcome. Yes. You're welcome. Yeah. What was your first like role beyond boobs and chin? I really think one of my very first roles for for camera. Well, I got cast off a tape, an eight episode series that Robert Zemeckis was directing, in a show called Johnny Bago about a man chasing. He was he was on the lamb. And I was an ex-mafia wife turned parole officer chasing her husband around the country in a Winnebago. So he had hit his head on the dashboard and it imprinted Johnny Bago. So that was his alias. It was a very interesting show and Robert Zemeckis directed it. I got cast eight episodes for CBS off of a VCR tape. I made an audition on a VCR tape and they cast me as the lead in that show. And I had no idea how big that, a big a deal that was and how many people went for how many pilots just to get a series. I didn't realize it. I was doing a play in Chicago and all of a sudden I'm in California doing this eight episode series. With around, Robert Zemeckis. With Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, that was incredible. And I played eight episodes of Beverly Florio. I'm going to get you, Johnny, you know, ex-mafia wife turned parole officer. So it really, it was baptism by fire because I had to learn, you know, how to drive, how to shoot a gun, how to all, all that stuff really all at once. Did you it know was, how to drive before you came to California? No. <laughs> I just People know. say learning to drive as an adult is terrifying. Oh, terrifying. I took it in school, but we were five people in a Chrysler Sebring and they would let the, the we, uh, there was a, a girl in my car named Sigalit and I used to call her Fig Leaf and she would just, we were on the highway as five kids in a car with one instructor who, who seemed a little bit drunk and he, they would go, he'd go, come on, change lanes. And it was terrifying. So I just stopped. I stopped. I couldn't do it anymore in Michigan. So here I am. They said, Robert Zemeckis has just directed used cars. He had all these New York actors that didn't know how to drive. So you need to be honest with us. Do you know how to drive? I said, of course I know how to drive. Did not know how to drive. Of course Did not. Did not know how to drive. No, I had to take driving in three. They were supposed to be half hour lessons. And I took them in three hour blocks. My very first driving by myself in the car was to drive from the Universal Sheraton to Beverly Hills for my hair appointment for Johnny Bago. Uh-oh. At- Juan Juan Salon or whatever. And I had to, I was terrified, terrified. And I drove home and thought, this is so difficult. And I realized once I got all the way back to the Sheraton Universal, I did not have the headlights on. I drove all (laughs) (laughs) from Beverly Hills with no headlight. It was terrifying, but I learned, I had this little, I remember they rented me like a, a Geo Metro or some stupid thing from the, you know, it was 1991 or whatever. Anyway, I had to drive an Arizona patrol car. The first day the director said, okay, so you drive and then hit that mark. So I'm like, not only am I driving, I'm having to hit camera marks. I said, how many of these cars do you have? Cause I was like, <laughs> I'm going to crash this into the truth. So it was really scary. That was scarier than any of the acting. So in a way, I'm glad I didn't know how. Yeah. It's, it, it, it I always find it interesting with adults. I have a friend who still is too scared to get on the freeway. 
Oh, get uh, getting on I, the freeway. I only terrifies her. Have her. Terrifying. Same. Same. I she, need to meet her. I. We could have a support group. I absolutely hate it. Oh, she hated it. I want to talk a second about Gilmore Girls. You were a big time fan favorite. Uh-huh. Um, and the Gilmore Girls fans are pretty intense. They are. Are you shocked about the loyalty yes. of the fan yes. fan base from that show? In a word, yes. And I was very lucky to attend two fan festivals. And I remember the first year I got there and I said, what are all those people doing? And my husband said, this is your event. It was at a bookstore. It was like meet Gypsy from Gilmore Girls. And I could not believe how long the line was. I just need to say, people waited in line. I think I greeted, there were 1600 people in attendance. It was a three hour greeting people, hugging them, taking pictures. And my mother-in-law visited. She said, I can't believe you didn't get tired. I said, I, I met people from all over the world. There were people from Brazil, people from London. And Melissa, everyone I met, I would hold their hands and say, there is no one I would wait in line for. Thank you. There is literally no one I would. Don't you have to pee? How could you wait in line that long to me? Yeah. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Isn't it, it mind blowing? It is mind blowing. Yeah. What do you Just think? Because they love the show. You know, it's very comforting that show. And I meet people who say things like, I watched it with my mother and now my daughter's watching it with me. I mean, that's how long it's been on. We have generations. We used to get that a lot for fashion police, but it's not because it was warm and fuzzy. (laughs) (laughs) I was obsessed with it. I still have two. I still have an old fashioned TiVo and I have two fashion police episodes on my TiVo that I will not delete. I mean, I was, it, it was everything that Friday night was everything to unwind with you and your mother. And, you know, I think part of it is people love mother daughter shows. Like that's why I never missed an episode of your show with your mom because it's very comforting. And even if you have a good relationship with your mother or a bad relationship with you, it's comforting to watch that. And I meet people who say, oh, Gilmore Girls got me through, you know, a health challenge or it's, rela- for my it's relatable. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, very fun. <laughs> this cracked me up. You on your Instagram <laughs> describe yourself as an actor and a miniature sculptor. Now, I'm just going to say on here, you seem to be a regular sized person, not miniature. So I'm not sure. A, there might be a grammatical issue somewhere in there because you are a sculptor of miniatures, not a miniature sculptor. That's what it really should say. You're making me realize it really should say a sculptor, a sculptor of miniature items. You're right. I'm I'm having a hot flash from this news, Melissa. What the hell if is that? I had them with, well, if only I had them. You can go to at Rose Abdu, R-O-S-E-A-B-D-O-O, and see the pictures up close. If only I had them with me, I would be showing you right now. I started, you know, I'm always on a diet. Always. Oh, always. God. You, I feel like you are part of I our mean, family every time. All my mother said her biggest, biggest always. disappointment in life was when they stopped giving out diet pills. <laughs> She's just like to everything she said about dieting so much because my mother gave me clay one year and I thought, all right, I can't have, I can't have chips. I want chips. I can't have chips. I'm going to just sculpt what I wish I could be eating. Well, then people started going, that's really intricate, Rose. There was a show in Silver Lake called the Miniature Show at an art gallery. This guy I knew was an artist. He came, he adjudicated my stuff. I got into this, I got into an art show. So I sort of fell into it backwards, but I started sculpting the food that I wished I could be eating. Oh, that's awesome. That's how it started. And I have to say, I mean, my plates, I've seen other miniature food sculptors. They're really incredible. 
but my plates really do make people hungry. They're very tiny, either each the size of a quarter. And did, I sculpt tiny. Did you start full size and work your no. way down? No, I could, I can only sculpt very tiny things. I started a quarter size dish. I've always loved dollhouses and miniatures, but I, I, I can only work in tiny scale. Weird. Well, it's because you said you started, you always loved dollhouses and little miniature intricate yeah. things. Right. I, how, I, I, this is also because my eyes are getting worse and worse and worse by the day. How do you see? Okay, Melissa, this is interesting. I went, I have a great doctor, eye doctor. He said to me, as terrible as these are magnifiers, as terrible as your vision is far away, because it's terrible. I mean, if I don't have these on right now, you could be anybody. I right. mean, you, I have contacts in. I'm one of those people that is like probably, I don't know what legally blind the numbers are, but the object that some 2020 person would need, I need that object 40 times larger than the normal person. Okay. That's how but in the distance. Bad, the distance. He the doctor told me as bad as your eyes are for far are as good as they are for close up. So I have superhuman close up to the point where when we got engaged, my husband took me to get the ring. I said to the jeweler, there is an occlusion in the diamond. He said, you don't have a loop. I said, I can see it. You're trying to sell me a diamond with an occlusion in it. I was there. You know, I could have just trusted John to go pick it out, but I had to get in there. So that's how in, in, in his business I am. I even had to do that with my own ring, but I, I can see everything so tiny that I, there are certain sweaters you cannot wear to sculpt because the fibers from the, the knit come off and get in the clay and I can see it. Cause That's see, I'm the opposite. Business. I can't, once you are past the length of my arm, you're in soft focus. Right. But far away, I'm terrible. But see, and I'm, close, the, how about, I'm the opposite. How are you close? Oh, I see. I see. Okay. You but I have, good up close. I have, you know, mother left me a loop so I don't have to worry. <laughs> Valuable, very valuable. You must always look through a loop. I mean, yeah. So I, I relax. It relaxes me. Then during the pandemic, of course, what were we doing? We were just everybody was binging things. I was making little like I thought. Well, let me have a mouse drive a strawberry. I'm going to sculpt a mouse driving a piece of cheese. Well, what's to stop a squirrel from driving a peanut? And then it became people writing to me saying, "Why don't you make, uh, you know, a porcupine driving a piece of black forest chocolate cake?" So I would, you know, things like that. I love the fact that it was all based on what you couldn't eat. Then I made Ruth Bader Ginsburg to commemorate her driving a piece of New York cheesecake. So now it's, if you look on Instagram, it's all little animals driving a thing that's food, but it's all food, all food. All food. Um, we have something in common, which you probably don't know. We were both on Celebrity Family Feud. Oh, that's right. Oh, my goodness. Now, who was on your team? Tell tell it all. It was me, my mom, both my cousins, and Sabrina, who has been with our family for 30-something years, that my, my, my assistant that I'm terrified of. Yes. And <laughs> now we, okay, first of all, did you, and I was shocked how nerve-wracking it was. You can play nerve. any game show at home. You get on set, and even if you are used to being on set, your brain freezes. 100%, 100% agree with you. At one point, Jean Smart turned to me and she said, Rose, this is the most, she's like, I I've done Broadway. This is the most tense you could ever be. And it's like everything falls out of your head. I don't immediately. Is it the lights, is it the music? Immediately. When he said, well, the, the question we had was, what would a plumber doing a magic show, pull out of his butt or pull out of his a plunger. ass. What? 
Well, normal people would say a plunger. I think plunger was already taken, but I'm trying to think. So your mind goes, uh, toilets, plumbers, magic. Steve Harvey calls on me and I say the tidy bowl man. <laughs> Why would I say that? Why would I? I was horrified. The tidy bowl man. The audience is never going to say the tidy bowl man. Most of the people in the audience were like, what's she talking about? They're too young to even remember the tidy bowl man. I have no idea why, but he laughed. So that made me happy, but I'm still cringing. It's been, I did it in March. I'm cringing still to this day. Um, it's so difficult. We ended up almost killing each other, <laughs> our family. Um, <laughs> we ended up difficult. winning. We ended up winning the whole thing for our charity and all that. But I That's was definitely feeling the pressure, especially in the final round, because as smart as my mom was, she couldn't help but go for the joke. So right. I knew I right. was carrying us in that final. I'm you like, have to make your mind think of what the people surveyed would say, not the clever thing. So oh, it's I had us, I had our family practicing because I'm a little on the competitive side. And I literally was going to kill my cousin Andrew. I was going to kill him. And this is when Al Roker was hosting and he would start everything with good question, Al, or well, Al. And in a commercial break, I turned around, enough with the fucking will, Al. We're in it to win it. <laughs> Melissa's like, I do not play around, but it is. And somebody asked me if I wanted to do it again. I said, I, I was, it was so nerve wracking. I would do it again just to redeem myself from tidy bull man. But I was the one who said weed, weed, when it was like, well, what would you smell on your partner that if they went out? It's just like, it haunts you forever. It really it's does. Really, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that we have that shared experience. Yeah, especially because I literally started to melt down. Yes. In, in commercials. Because I, I, sure. I mean, I was like, I don't know who these people are. And if my <laughs> mother doesn't stop trying to make jokes and that's why we lose... I was like, I almost hyperventilated, yelling, <laughs> screaming at my cousin. I have friends that did it as a team. They didn't score one point, not one point. That's their legacy. I think it's the only team in the history of playing the game show that did not score one point. Oh, yeah. So I knew I would be better than them. But it's like, I would watch all those shows. Like when I was, I my dream is to be on a match game style show. Like I loved Hollywood Squares, Match Game, Password. Those are the shows I would watch after school. So I would I would love to be on. I'm actually going to be playing Pictionary. They oh. asked me to play Pictionary. That's, That's amazing. I used to watch growing up when you were homesick, you got to watch Price is Right. It's right. Oh, I was good at Price is Right. I always wanted to be but a then, part of that showcase showdown. Um, me too. Oh, I love the showcase showdown. But sometimes they would show like they'd win a whole set of furniture. And I kept, I was obsessed. I said to my parents, but what if they already have furniture that they like? Then what are they going to do with the new furniture? Then are they going to sell it? I was a really little kid and I was like, it's, this is too much stuff to lay on people. What, it, what are they going to do with it all? Yeah. Like, I was really well, do you remember on Wheel of Fortune when they used to have that you could go shopping? Right. Oh, I would panic. That was the yeah, best. Yes, so yes, I agree. are you going to the Emmys? Well, I sure hope so. You know, last year, pandemic year, they had, uh, it was very limited and they right. had to keep it to the, just the nominees. So I haven't heard anything. I, would I know already? I, I wonder if we no. are invited. Okay. Okay. I haven't heard, but I would kill, you know, that watching anything to do with red carpet, I've been devoted to really, it was like more fun to watch the wrap up than it was to watch the actual red carpet. That's where I'm coming from. But now that I have the pressure, I've only done a couple of them. 
you really have to choose something that can be scrutinized from every angle. You know, and I realized like, oh my gosh, everything has to be a fabric that's not too shiny. I learned so much watching the show of what doesn't work. Like an outfit could look great in real life and then terrible in pictures sometimes. Yes. Like I wore a print to the HBO premiere and I loved, it was a little leopard print and I called it from the Deborah Vance collection, but I loved the dress. Well, not in every angle. It's, not every picture looks good in a print. And yet not every print looks good in a still photo. Oh, that's for sure. For sure. And you have so to I, look from every angle and then you have to make the choice. Would I rather look good in person or in the photos? You know, it's a, it's a whole process. So if you go, what do you think you're going to wear? Are you going to go? Well, I, have to, I have to tell you, I, I have a friend who she was also a devoted fashion police watcher. And so another thing that I learned about the designers, because I'm Dominican, half Dominican, half Lebanese. So my friend Christine says to me, you have to call and get either Oscar de la Renta, who's Dominican, or Ellie Saab, who's Lebanese. So I started talking to my friend and I said, I love Neem Khan. So I've started pulling different looks that I like, but I said, who do you call? Like, I don't have a publicist. So I have a friend who represents stylist and she's trying to work a deal to get me a, you know, a loaner dress. Melissa, I started thinking about it this morning. I read two different books when I was a little girl, all of a kind family and a, a short story called the necklace. And both stories were about people borrowing clothes and something terrible happening, either losing the jewelry or getting a stain on something. And I grew up like you don't borrow clothes because what if something happens, you have to have your own everything that way. If you spill something on it, you rip it. It's your problem. So this whole new borrow a dress is a whole new thing for me. But of course, it's a fantasy of mine to borrow a Neem Khan dress. And I started thinking, you know, I'm of an age now where before you'd hear you'd have a special event, diet, 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 up to the point. Right. Like dehydrate myself. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And finally, I can eat. And, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm 59 years old. So I said, what's to stop me from getting into a Josefina would would wear a caftan and so would Rose, you know, like I want to wear something loose, flowing, forgiving. So I saw a name con dress that I was obsessed with. So I have a friend who has another friend who's calling to try and see and make this happen. Then she said, how tall is this girl? I said, I'm five, four. Well, you know, the clothes are built for like, if you borrow something, it's for a person who's like a six foot tall glamazon. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I, but that's my, my wish. I'm put it out into the universe is to wear something flowy and caftan looking and maybe even a turban. I don't know. Wouldn't that be great? I wouldn't have to do my hair, a turban and a caftan. <laughs> you might as well just wrap it in a towel, go with it wet in a ponytail. Yeah, um, wrap it up. If you go, who are you bringing? My husband, John. My husband, John is a wonderful, um, we've known each other since 2001. We met, I went to an art gallery called Fake in Silver Lake and I met him, the, we, we met December 1st, 2001, and we looked at 117 houses and we live at 1201. So I felt like it's, you know, Bashir, it's just one of those things where he has been in my life since 2001. And I thought, I actually met someone that he said, I want to call you every day the night we met. And that could really annoy you if it's the wrong person. Oh, yeah. But I've talked to him every day since 2001. So he's, he's the guy that sets up the Zoom for me and does everything. So he's my, uh, he's my favorite person. One of my favorite people. Well, we, I, I, I figured out why I get along because Cooper's birthday is December 1. Oh, 1201. I love Two, it. And 2000. Wow. I'm all about the 1201. I'm really into numbers like that. And I, I think they're, I get a special feeling when I see 1111 on the clock or I meet someone who's, you know, a Sagittarius. I know a lot of people think that's, you know, a, a crock or whatever, but. 
I have friends that are November 28th, like me, 29th, 30th, December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. So there has to be something to it because a lot of the people in my life are born really close to my, um, my birthday. My all the mo all this, the most significant relationships in my mother's life, with the exception of Cooper, who was December, all January. Interesting. Her Same. mother, my father, okay. me, and the, uh, the man she had a very long-term relationship with after my dad. Very interesting. I believe there's got to be something to that because the personality traits are, are similar. I, I believe it. I like things like that. Well, I love things like this is where John and I completely disagree because I love mediums. I said, if it brings people comfort, who cares? He's like, no, he doesn't believe in it at all. I love things like mediums, horoscope, fortune tellers, tarot card readers. I, I love all that stuff. Well, I always think it's the power of positive thinking. I'm just always scared they're going to be like, Woo, look both ways before you cross the street. <laughs> like, I don't need to hear that. <laughs> I have no Rose, this has been such a pleasure. And uh, after you have a wonderful time at the Emmys, will you come back and tell me what's in the good swag bag? I would love to. I would love to. The Emmy gifting suites last year was like a lot of things that I gave to people because I couldn't use, but it was still so fun. I said, you know, the more success you have, people start giving you more stuff. But also, you yeah, you, you, you do all your Christmas shopping. <laughs> it's the best. Give me another set of those headphones. I'll tell you, I, know I mean, how many, how many beautiful, giant, scented candle things in a jar with a fancy lid can I use? I, oh. I did give a few away. I must yeah. say. That's, yeah. that's yeah. the best. Rose, this has been such a joy. I, a I can't joy. tell you how. I've always wanted to meet you and I was just so excited when you, I just, I, I cannot tell you enough how, how much of a pleasure this is for me. Well, too. for me too. Thank you so much. A Huda Media Production.